Ella, the producers. Hello. Hello. She's back on the mic. Hello. Um, we don't know. We never know where this is going to take us. Buckle up, bozos. <laughs> Literally <laughs> buckle the fuck up. <laughs> because this is a heavy one. Not a heavy one, but it's one that obviously all young women experience mm -hmm. um, in one way or another. And it's such a complex. It's complex. such a complex, um, yeah. it is complex. topic. Yeah. Yes. We are talking about body positivity. Yeah, yeah. Positivity, bodies. Let's say bodies. 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 We're talking about bodies. bodies. Fuck. Um, can you tell us? Do you want to? Do you want to kick us off? Um, bodies is a massive part of my twenty-four years on this planet. Um, I think like every young woman, especially growing up in the age of social media, um, has growing up comparing ourselves to everyone else and then you know you layer that with being brown and it's even more complex mm -hmm. because I, I'm never going to look like Kate Moss or um, Gigi Hadid or you know anyone like that because I have different bone structure different genetics I carry my weight differently and when you don't have that representation of different, just different bodies, it's a really hard place to be. Bodies is fucking hard and um, being positive about your body and um, and being able to overcome all of the societal pressures and outside voices and your own internal voice is massive. Mm. And it's a, it's a um, everyday work, work on thing, work in progress. When was the first time that both of you had like noticed that your body wasn't the norm or that you were like, oh, I don't look like them or when you started to really think negatively about your body? I was in year five. Mm -hmm. um, so how old were you? How old is year uh, five? Year five, like nine, ten. Mm. Um, and we at my primary school had this awesome, um, every second year would have this like uh we'd have like this massive production performance thing and every class would be assigned a different nation and you would have to do a performance based on that nation. Mm -hmm. And my teacher who was awesome, we did Brazil. And so our performance was a big carnival, or carnival, I should say. And um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's all these beautiful women who are dressed with big kind of Victoria's Secret-esque like wings and um, mm -hmm. like kind of uh, skirts and heels. And so... I was the lead uh, angel for that performance, but the costume that had been designed was like a, a strapless kind of sequin crop top and a skirt and it exposed the stomachs. Yeah. And I had, when I saw what they were, I just had the worst an anxiety and um, fear. And I went home and I was like, you've got to write a note or you've got to tell my teacher that I'm not mm. wearing it. Like, I'm not wearing that. Mum was like, what? And I was like, because I felt, I think by that stage I had, I was just like a little kid and I had, mm -hmm. you know, like puppy fat and probably wasn't eating as good as I should have, but there was nothing wrong with me. I was fit and I was playing sport, mm -hmm. but I can distinctly remember having this deep fear and anxiety about showing my stomach. Mm -hmm. um, and so my mum came into school and I got a different costume that, you know, didn't expose any of my stomach. 
but yeah, I was, that was probably the first time where I was like, knew that my body was different and I wasn't happy with it. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Jo? How do I explain this properly? So, grew up in Samoa. We I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Different, <laughs> different there as well. Super different. Um, and like, obviously everyone looks like me and Sa because we're yeah. all Samoan. Yeah. <laughs> Came to a private school, yeah. um, predominantly Balangi Pakeha. Mm. And whoa, even just like talking about this right now is triggering some feelings because I've never actually spoken about this. <laughs> but it was, it wasn't, it was like, it was from these girls who are tiny. Okay, one, mm. brown people, we are built. We are built to carry the heavy, sh- the heavy load on our shoulders. Yes. <laughs> We're stallions. We are mm. stallions. Yeah. But I was 12. I was new to a country <laughs> and a school. Um was surrounded by Palangi people, which I had never been surrounded by that many Palangi people ever. There was only like, honestly, a handful of other people of color. Sis, what a contrast. I know, this is <laughs> this is gonna be really interesting. Yeah. Oh, it was a culture yeah. shock. It was an absolute fucking culture shock. It was crazy. Yeah. And I'm not even like the brownest of Samoans. Like I'm definitely white passing. I definitely acknowledge that privilege. Like, and I definitely, because I was white passing, it definitely helped me throughout my high school. I'm just going to say same on that point. It's important to acknowledge here. No, this is going to be funny and people are going to laugh when I say this, but it was a huge insecurity of mine because like, once again, brown de- brown people built different. But when I came here, the, the Palangi girls would always tell me how like big my feet were. I'm not even joking. <laughs> You, we, I mean, yeah. No, like, uh, any size 10s in the house? Yeah. My dad mocks seriously. me about it too. Literally. No, seriously. Size 10. Yeah. Size 10. Yeah. But I literally would have these Palangi girls, like, they would just always comment on my feet yeah. and on mm. my shoe and on my shoe size. And it just kind of, like, yeah. grew from there because it was, like, it started with my feet and then it was, yeah. like, how tall I am and then it was, like, how broad my shoulders are and then it was, like, yeah. How I, big my thighs were. How big my thighs were. That was mm. a huge one. And it was... No, and it's it's no, it's just really funny that we decided to talk about this for this episode because I've only recently in the past like couple months realized that I have had body dysmorphia for a very long time. Cure mm. to that. Yeah. Like and didn't even realize it because I didn't even know what body dysmorphia mm. was until this year probably, yeah. like properly. Like it's not like a super hurtful thing because I've always loved myself. <laughs> yeah, go. But yeah, coming from come stepping into a space where no one looks like me, yeah. and then having those people who didn't look like me judge me for how I looked, yeah. um, it, right down to the feet, yeah, <laughs> like, right, right down to them toes, right down to them toes, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, it's definitely something I've carried with, and especially because they had never been around islanders before, yeah. yeah. So when they saw me straight from the islands mm. along with yeah. all the other great questions like damn you guys have houses there oh. <laughs> do you have a fridge do you have power do you have power yeah. what do you eat oh my gosh <laughs> but yeah it's def- it's i don't know it goes back to that whole kind of like thing of representation mm. you know these girls had never seen an islander yeah my my journey with my body has been an interesting one mm. Um, complex complex yeah and still going still still going yeah, yeah. I, I've realized you know bodies and fat like what's the word Inf- inflate and deflate 
depending fluctuate. on fluctuate thank you inflate, inflate and deflate, deflate <laughs> and fluctuate but they change they, do. they change and, and they don't teach you that in school no. they don't teach you that your body changes like just because that's what bodies do yeah mm. um and you know trying to break those western beauty standards of being like the skinniest and but still being having an ass and titties. And like, like a thigh gap. And that just showcases what kind of society we've grown up in, yeah. where it like highlights how you look, not what your body does yeah. for you. Yeah. And even like, yeah, how you touched on, oh, what are boys going to think of me? Designing your body for the male gaze. The male yeah. gaze. The, the male gaze. The male gaze. The male gaze. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing, and I've wa I've watched my little sister go through it. Oh, uh, mm. don't feel worried about bringing my little sister into this, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so interesting because I went through the exact same thing, and I'm sure we all did mm. go through the exact same thing, where you're actually trying to fit this perfect description that you think a boy for a boy to like yeah. you. Yeah, totally. Just, uh, just so sad. It's, mm. It is really it's sad. Heartbreaking mm. for some, for some, for, for me, for us to really value our person, like our person, our whole person, on this one idea, on this one idea that Western society has created. And honestly, it's always changing. I remember, like in high school, it was like very stick thin, and now it's like small waist, big titties, yeah. fat ass. Which is also there's a real unattainable standard with that as well. Mm. Yeah, but it's also like I think what's insane and like, but um, on that point about men and like growing up and and trying to navigate how you feel about your body when it's constantly changing and this whole new thing of desire and mm. um, you know romance and all of that shit is placing more value on how you think your body is being received than actually trying to find what you love about your body or how you want how you want to look or you know dressing for yourself as opposed to dressing for the male gaze or because that's what all the other girls are wearing and that's what's hot but my thing was more just like this constant every day because I was the same trained ate really well was on ridiculous diets as like a teenager yes you were and like did weight loss challenges and lost like 17 kgs in 10 weeks like Ooh, fucking shit. crazy shit that I hope my children will never ever do but it's just because you're tr like you're you're trying to figure out what your body is and you're doing it for everyone else and it's only now like in the last three years where I've been like okay this is my canvas and my you know body how am I going to work with it and what do I love about it and also being um, cognizant of what you can and can't control and finding peace with that because that's, yeah. I think, a real massive thing. Mm. Um, but my thing, sorry, which I should have said, um, wasn't so much that I didn't have control of it, but it was just that constant reminder that no matter what I did or no matter how hard I tried, I never, ever reached that ideal body that I had in my head. Mm. Yeah, And I never was, I never was that girl who was wearing... Kukai, mm. God forbid. You're wearing Kukai now. Now I am. Because <laughs> it's going to be a snatched waist. But in high school, you know, like I was never in, that was, I was never that girl. Mm. And I just felt so defeated every day because I just, 
no matter what I did and how hard I tried, like mm. I just didn't look like it. And I like saying, I look back at photos of me now in mm. high school and I'm like, shit girl, like mm. you were slim as and beautiful and gorgeous, but we couldn't see it because we were so caught up in trying to attain something that was completely unachievable. Um, I have a question for both of you. What, talking about bodies, obviously. Um, the moment where you kind of like, where there was like looks in the mirror, had that realization and be like, holy shit, how I think about my body is not okay. What was that like for both of you? Um, I can start. Go. Um, so as in the previous episode, <laughs> um, I talked about like um, having this moment where I was just like backing myself and I'm like, yep. I, I'm I'm the fucking man or I'm awesome and I know it and I'm just gonna, you know, go hard on that. Mm. And I tell you not what, like hating my body and being at war in my head about my body and how I looked and not ever feeling good enough or hot enough or whatever. I just got tired like I just got tired. Mm. I got tired of I've been through I've had an eating disorder. I've I've, and I've been a bigger body. Like I, I put on a serious amount of weight um, after high school. And, you know, so I know what it's like to be in a body and I know what it's like to go to a shop and, you know, tr trying to find an outfit and literally not fit a single thing mm. in a store and to have a store tell you or remind you that your body isn't, you know, right or it's not healthy or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, spent years dealing with this shit. And then time consuming. Eh? Oh, so time all, all consuming. All consuming. Mind, body, soul, spirit, like everything. Um, there was a time where uh, I mean, I so actually no, I have um, stage four endometriosis, and um, I've had two surgeries. And before my second surgery, which was the surgery to remove the endo, um, my surgeon, who was lovely, he said, "I want you to lose some weight because it'll help your recovery." And if we can get you to um, 90 kgs, um, that would be really great. Mm. And that was a surgery date that was kind of five, six months, five, six months away. Yeah. And I, at the time I was 115 kgs. Mm. So that was like 25 kgs to lose in the space of six months. Mm. And it kind of was uh, him... I mean, every time I told that to someone, and I can remember telling Ella and her being like, what the fuck? Like, this guy just told you to lose, like, 25 kgs. But I didn't hear it from, like, a, um, a physical, aesthetic, like, weight perspective. I heard it from a health perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, I had also had conversations with my parents where they had, exp had expressed how worried they were about my health, not how I looked, but my health. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of just set me on a journey where I was – losing weight but in a way where it was it wasn't for it wasn't for those kind of superficial reasons it was actually for my health and so that when I had the surgery I'd be able to bounce back and heal and recover quickly and so going on that journey and losing that weight and I didn't lose 25 kgs before I had that surgery I lost about 10 um, but I did a lot of work up here in my mind and I kind of was like Okay, Isabella, you're an adult, and you've got to take you've got to take good care of your body because mm. this is that you get one, and this is what you've got to work with. Mm. And like I've always been an active person who loves to go out and loves to party, but I haven't always looked after my body. Even when I looked probably subjectively my best, I don't know, whatever. Mm. But um, 
looking after your body comes in in all different ways. And so through that journey, it was like, okay, cool. I'm not going to go out and drink the ocean every fucking weekend on Ponsonby Road. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Why not? Why not? I'll drink, gladly drink anyone under the table, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, even things like, okay, what was my relationship with, like, with exercise? And for me, and I know Ella can relate to this, I was like, go hard, like go every day, twice a day, or it was like, do nothing. So it was about making habits like, I hated walking, but now I love walking. So it's like, go for a walk, like walk up the monga, like, you know, go do that. And so I just went on this journey, which was all health related, you know, for the well-being of my body. And I was like, it's time to stop, like, stop with this, like, oh, I look fat today. Mm. If that is really something, like if it is a, if it is a physical appearance thing, well, then it's like, okay, what, what work am I going to do to make me feel better about it? And it's not for other people, it's for yourself. And my mum's always said, like, um, if you're not looking out for number one, then you're not, like, going to be good to anyone else. So if you're not making sure that you're happy, you're healthy, what good are you to anyone else? Because at the end of the day, you can't be there for yourself. So it was really that that kicked it off for me. And um, going through that journey and losing the weight um, did a lot of reflecting. And now I'm just in the zone where I'm, like, important to be kind to our bodies. Thanks for sharing that, sis. Thank you for letting me share it. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Um, mine definitely was like a journey over time. I think I, um, for a really long time, I was like a, my body was just to like be an athlete. And that was, um, that had a big influence mm. on how I saw my body and what my body did for me. Um, but I think when it really, when I really kind of, my, I guess really it was my self-talk and the way that I viewed my body change, maybe around like 2019, mm. I had just moved back to Auckland after studying in Dunedin. I'd also just quit rowing, which had taken up like five years of my life where I was rowing really competitively and left a really massive like party scene and party culture when I was studying in Otago. So I think that beginning of that year um I like had escaped and like released myself from these environments like private school really elite sport and party and culture I'd like released myself from these environments that I never really felt like they were mine and um and then I remember in 2019 I like moved home I spent quite a bit of time on my own. I just got my job. I was working full time at just like a restaurant close to my home and saved up and then went traveling with my brother for like three months around Southeast Asia. And we went to Samoa as well. Um, and even just then, even in that six months when I had moved home, I'd like put on a lot of weight when I was at uni and I was always really upset with it, but I never really like was like motivated to make a change and I wasn't even like mad motivated at the beginning of 2019 where I was like oh my god I have to change my body it was more just the lifestyle changes mm. that it, that like moved the weight for me mm. it was the sleeping it was the Sleep. having routine it was going to work it was being happy and like healthy in my relationships yes. all of that all of that stuff contributes to your body becoming healthy again I think and then um and then when I was traveling as well, that was such a liberating experience. I was traveling with my brother in around Asia. 
And like for people who've traveled, Bella, you'll feel it as well. We talked about this. It's like no one knows who the fuck you are. You're oh. in a completely other country. No one knows you. You can be whoever the fuck you want to be. Mm. And like for the first time in my life, I had this like elated sense of confidence. I like walked around these countries and I was like, I don't care. I'll wear whatever I want, be whoever I want. Yeah, that was really freeing and that was really creating. Cool. Yeah. And then like, making friends with heaps of people and seeing beautiful things and making relationships and all of that cool stuff that comes with traveling. Um, and then coming home and like realizing what I wanted to do and getting ready to study. And, um, and then since then, I guess I've just, it's all a journey and it still takes time, but I, um, I just have a definitely like a clearer relationship, but, um, yeah, that's helped me as well. I think helping to, yeah. yeah very similar with both of you in terms of like finding that healthy relationship with exercise mm. um with your body and un- like how you're saying trying to understand it and how it works and, and another thing in terms of like since this is a young woman's podcast at the moment it's a young woman's season um understanding your menstrual cycle oh, oh. what i've found with because for a long time i was on birth control mm. Um, know what you're doing. Yes, and also <laughs> listen to your body if it's not working because mm, yeah. I've been through a lot of different types of birth control. Mm-hmm. Are you on anything? Fuck no. I'm not in a relationship either, mm. so there's no really any reason for me. But even even if I was in a relationship, if man's loved me, I'm straight. It's disappointing, I know. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, <laughs> if man's really loved me, he'd get a vasectomy. Okay, I'm going to say that now. And also, they're reversible. They're reversible. Are they? Yes, they are. And... Um, also, just pull out. Just pull out. Con- hey, no, 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 um, no, 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 no. Do not. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Don't listen to that. Don't listen to her. Cut, cut, that cut. is not a proper form of contraception, people. Pull out and pray. <laughs> pull out and pray. No, yeah. wear a condom. Wear a condom. Wear a condom. For all of us. Get just STI really checks. thin ones. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I going with this? Menstrual cycle. Just your body. It's important. Your body. Like your menstrual cycle. Totally changes how your body, how your body functions. Your titties get bigger sometimes. Your skin gets bad, and like your skin goes through depending on how your skin is during your menstrual cycle. I know that my skin gets really bad when I just finished my period. Um, Even just like feeling bloated, um, everything, everything. your mood, your mood. Don't even come near me. Come near me. A week and a half before I'm about to get my (laughs) before I'm bleeding. But yeah, know your menstrual cycle. That is so important. And if you're going to go on birth control, like, please, please have a really, try and sit down and have a really, really good conversation with whatever doctor that you're having this conversation with. But I understand that, like, even being able to sit down with a doctor, a proper doctor, and have that conversation Mm -hmm. is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're, one, knowledgeable enough to be able to navigate that conversation Mm -hmm. because... Yeah. Too many times have I been told how my body is by a doctor oh, yeah. and they would never fucking listen to yes, me. Advocating mm. for yourself in the health space is, yeah, is, is hard. Yeah, but make sure your medical professional is listening to you as well. Like that is that that conversation like with a medical professional. Yes, they are knowledgeable and they probably know more about things. Yeah in terms of like medicine and how it works yeah. and how your body's going to react. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're the only one that knows how your body and that's like, honestly, like with my endo journey um, and also my weight journey, like listening to your body, like you're right, Jill, like honestly, no one knows your body like aside from you and what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. 
and like I, I mean I was on birth control I've been on birth control since I was 14 for my period because I've had horrendous and horrific periods my entire life um I've been on the pill I've been on lots of different pills I've been on um the rod mm. and then I got off that and I got on a different pill and then finally when it was just I knew something was wrong like I had gone to the emergency room four times just in debilitating pain like and I've got a pretty high pain threshold too mm. um but I just knew something was wrong and every time I went no one could kind of tell me what was happening they thought it was my appendix I was like this close to like having wow. my appendix removed and I had the worst endo I quote my gynecologist that he's seen in a 23 year old in his entire career and my doctor who I don't see anymore Good. but it was my my she actually didn't I didn't she didn't see her for very long but I can remember going to her and talking about it and I was like my period is out of control it's seriously affecting my life I don't have the privilege to take a day off work every time I ovulate or every time mm. I bleed like I've I've got to go to work um I need to please refer me to the, to the to the system and she was like well actually I really think we should try you on the IOD and for me that's just a particular type of birth control that just doesn't sit right for me I don't want anything like I mean I take hormones but I don't want anything in in my cervix yeah. or in that canal there's something very sacred and about that place for myself mm. and um I was like absolutely not and we had a fight like we we went at it and I'm like I'm sorry but I've been mm. on birth control since I was 14 and dealing with this problem you need to refer me. I'm not going on the fucking IUD. And that takes like, it takes a lot of strength and bravery to have that conversation in a room with a white woman and someone who's been practicing as a professional mm. for a really long period of time. So yeah, having the courage to navigate that conversation and advocate for yourself. But I mean, I'm so glad I did because I went through a process and fuck, I had, I was riddled with it, you know, and luckily now I've, I mean, we're great, lucky in New Zealand to have a health system where I could go and have that, those surgeries and suss what the problem was. But yeah, like I take birth control now and I haven't had my period since 2021, the very beginning. So like I'm coming before up. Before you had your surgery. Yeah. Like, so I'm coming up to almost two years without my period and I can, <gasps> I can say, and I, there's a lot of stuff around that and my other degree is Pacific Studies and there's a lot of indigenous stuff that doesn't agree with the way that I'm doing this but for me right now it's the best thing ever yeah. and to not deal with the fucking vomiting feeling like someone's shoving, shoving shoving a sword up my ass wearing two super tampons a day apologies to everyone who's listening it's very graphic no but no this apologies. is like no, no, no. This no is, apologies this is the ins and outs of like what i was dealing with and so i do not have to worry about that it's just like an absolute blessing for the time being mm. and um i'll make my way off it eventually but yeah there is a place but for it but you need to make sure it's right for you. And it's the person who's prescribing it knows what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to take beautiful story, by the way. Thank, oh, thank you. you. No, that's thank okay. you for sharing that. Like endo is a huge problem. Oh yeah. Huge problem. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know much about it, but I know that it's a huge yeah. problem. And I do know that it just also highlights that when it comes to women yeah. and the healthcare system, yeah. the healthcare system knows little to, knows little to nothing because mm. everything about the healthcare system, all the research, all the foundations was mm. built on on research for white men. Yeah. White men. Yeah. Um, and that just show, that's why your doctor mm. 
bless her for you know nah don't bless her that really fucks me off that she put you on all these different types of birth control and then still tries to put you on birth control like there is very clearly not working there is very clearly another problem yeah Yeah. and that's and that's the thing ladies is if your period is like it is not normal to be in that amount of pain yeah like and a lot of the time like I'm not going to say a lot about this because this is something that I would love to do some more work on this endo discussion and I save some gems for later but um, New Zealand's 10 years behind Australia and probably about 15 years behind the rest of the world when it comes to endo and endo treatment and care. We don't even have medication. The reason why I have to take birth control and a double dose of it is because we don't actually have the medication available for endometriosis care in New Zealand. So I've, my, my doctors had to find an alternative solve for that. Um, but you like everyone kind of goes, oh, like when you complain about it, it's, oh, it's just your period, like toughen up like it's just part of being a woman but um like if you're vomiting if you're passing out if you're got like real bad pain like go and talk to your doctor about it because I think it's like one in I think it's one in seven or one in nine fact check me please like women are probably suffering from endo in New Zealand and it's it's a silent it's a silent disease that needs more kind of light shone on it for sure absolutely beautiful how beautiful is it to be embraced by a body that you love entirely in terms of body, mass, spirit, soul, energy, everything in between? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing that a lot of people take for granted. So love your bodies, love the bodies around you. Mm. Do not use negative connotations or negative vibes around. Just don't pass judgment on anyone. Just not your body. It's not don't your body. It. Don't mm. fucking don't have an opinion. <laughs> like honestly, it's not yours to have. Mm. Just support, like, unless someone invites it and they support you. And come from a place of love and health. Like, that's always the most important thing. Absolutely. And it's someone else. It's it's Ultimately, it's that person's decision. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's on that. Thanks for coming, Vows. Thank you for having me and letting me, or sharing space with me. That was awesome. Mm. Mm. I feel inspired. Um, All bodies are beautiful. Beautiful bodies and everything in between. Start that journey with your body, sis. Anyways, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. bye. bye.